This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Uh, we're going to talk tonight a little about living the life. The title of the message is Living the Life. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you very simply about what it means to live this life out with the Lord. Because I think there's a lot of times that we get different interpretations from different people. We have the world says one thing, yet God says something totally different. We have the world that says, well, you're doing pretty good if you do this, 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 and this. But God says, no, here's the standard. This is what you measure yourself up against. I was speaking with Mia. Um, she is speaking tonight down in the youth. And as we were talking back and forth, I, was, I said, what are you speaking on tonight? She said, I'm talking about integrity. And I was like, that's a great thing to talk about. I said, what do you want to hit home? What's the one thing you want them to walk away with? And she's like, I don't know, there's so much. We want to talk about this. We want to talk about this. And I said, I get you want to talk about that. I said, but what's the thing you want to walk away with? And as I walked away from her and, and she was thinking and processing, I came to that same question for myself. I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves every day. God, what do you want my walk away point from today to be? Not just because it's Wednesday and you're at church, but tomorrow. What is God going to try to deal and help you understand tomorrow? What has God been speaking to you about yesterday? And on Monday and on Sunday? Because understand this, God is always speaking. He's always wanting to share something. But so many times we get caught up in everything else that we forget to take our time and say, God, what do you got for me today? What are we going to do today? And I think that when you have that idea and those points of view, God comes in and he starts moving in our lives and he starts adapting something incredible into us. And so we're going to read today um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. But let me pray one more time and we're going to receive what the Lord has for us today. So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Once again, we just say thank you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to honor you with your word. Father, that we can receive your thoughts. Father, that we can receive your words tonight. Lord, help us to redefine our vision of who you are. Father, what love is truly about, what it means to be a Christian. Father, help every one of us to receive that and to understand that just because we did this yesterday doesn't mean that's the way it's always going to be. Father, we want to honor you tonight. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help me to speak this message with simplicity and clarity. Father, giving me thoughts and ideas, things that I plan on not saying, because, Lord, you have a point to drive home. And so, Lord, we thank you for meeting with us tonight. We ask that you would help us to hear, to receive, and to hold on to the thoughts you have for us. We want to honor you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. And I love this statement because he's not saying it's not my things. It's not my thinking. But he's saying simply, here's what it comes down to, with the Lord's authority. So he's coming on behalf of the Lord and he's saying this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, I want to stop for just a moment because I want to talk a little bit about what Gentiles means, what that talks about right there. Because I think at times we read this and we think, oh, they're just Gentiles, there's Gentiles. And we use that word and we don't, that's not a normal word in our everyday language. So I started really processing and praying and asking the Lord, what is a Gentile? What does this mean? What are you trying to help me to understand with this verse? 
Because he talks about Gentiles. And so understand this. There are two types of people that he talks about. He talks about the Jews who are God's chosen people. And then he talks about the Gentiles. And you're like, okay, if these are God's chosen people, who are they? Obviously, they're not God's chosen people. So when people, when the Jews looked at him, they were like, well, you're just not chosen. You're not God's chosen one. I am. And so they were born into a society and understanding that they were chosen by God from the moment of birth. But the Gentiles at times, when we look at ourselves, because understand this, if you are not born in the Jewish family, if you are not born there, then you are not a chosen person of God, according to what they believe. You're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. But I'm still chosen by God. How do I know that? Because I look at this scripture and the first thing it does, verse 17, when you cross-reference this scripture, which means that you find it connects to another scripture, in Romans 1.21, and this is out of the uh, Amplified Version, and if you guys got it, go ahead and put it up there, but it says this, for even though they knew God as the creator, they did not honor him or give thanks for his wondrous creation. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking Godless with their pointless reasons and silly speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. What he's talking about is the, the Gentiles recognize that there was a God. Yes, there's a God. Yes, there's a God, and we understand that. But they did not want to follow the calling that they had been, pla- that had been placed upon them. And so what he's talking about is don't live as the Gentiles. But he says this very simple thing. When you choose to change, God says, I chose you. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and I asked him a simple question. I said, what does a Gentile mean to you? And he said, you know, it's funny. He said, I've, I've really thought about this for a long time, what Gentile means to me. He was uh, born, and his parents gave, up, gave him up for adoption. And he went straight into the orphanage. And so this, this man grew up in the orphanage. And one day a woman came, and she looked and she said, I want him. And that day, he was finally brought into being a part of a family. So as an orphan, he said, as an orphan, I didn't have any family values because all I was was one of many. I wasn't part of a family. I was literally my own family. I had no family values. I had no standards. I had nothing. I had nothing to look forward to. I had nothing to say, I am from this family. He said, I had nothing. But he said when, he said, my mom came and picked me out. He said, my mom always used to say this saying to me. She would say, your brothers and sisters, I got them, but I chose you. And he started to think and he said, that's the way the Lord looks at us. The Jewish people were born and chosen. They're chosen, they're God's chosen people right away they're already in but God still said no there's still room I choose you I choose you to be a part of my family now your family values are not defined by you but they're defined by me because you're part of my family in John 15 16 it says I chose you well before you ever chose me so when it comes back to it you look at yourself in the mirror and you may not be Jewish but you're still God's chosen And this is what it comes back down to. When we read this, 
Because remember, the Gentiles at this moment did not see themselves as God's chosen people. So their values did not come from God. They came from me. When I'm centered on me, who am I thinking about all the time? Me. How's this going to work for me? What's going to work out for me? How's this going to affect me? Instead of when you stand in God's chosen, as God's chosen, into God's family, you say, God, how does this affect us? How are we going to handle this? How are we going to change this? Because now all of a sudden you're not on your own. You're in the family of God. You are chosen. Remember, he didn't just get you. He chose you. And this is a decision we have to choose to make. As I grew up, my next door neighbors, I had five, there were five children that were in there. Four out of the five children were all adopted. And I remember never one day did they ever think that I'm not part of this family. If I asked them today, they would say, who are you? They would say, my last name, I am part of the Piper family. That was their last name, the Pipers. They were our next door neighbors. And you know what? They never questioned. Yeah, but I don't look the same because understand this. There was two African-Americans, one Korean, uh, one who was German, and another one, I guess she was um, African-American also. So there were five that were total in there. They were all different. People looked at them and said, you don't look right. And they said, yeah, but we're the Pipers. That's just how we look. That's just who we are. We just don't look right. We're just this way. Because they realized what you see on the outside doesn't define who I am on the inside. Because I know who I am. And so when you look at it, you can say, but I don't look right. It doesn't matter because it's not about how you look. It's about who you are. Remember, as I look in the mirror, I see the outer. But God talks to the inner. It defines from the inner to the outer. And this is what he's coming back to and saying. Living as we turn and we choose to live, he says their minds are full of darkness. And he's talking about the Gentiles. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So it really defines what's going on in the world today. I mean, when you look at this and you said, wow, that really does define society. God is simply saying, because that's, they're not close to me. They have hardened their hearts. They become confused. They don't know. I've taught this for years. Understand this, there is a spirit out there that is called the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception is the first thing that comes upon anybody. It creates confusion. In confusion, what it does is what is good is bad and what is bad is good. It changes everything. It changes how you view things. So somebody that loves me that comes and tells me, you're not doing right, I look at them and think, well, they're just jealous. Or I make up excuses about it and I keep doing what I'm doing. But the word teaches us that it's because their hearts are hardened. Their minds are confused. But this is what he comes to in verse 20. He says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Because remember, we're all in this boat in the same thing. We're all God's chosen. And he says, verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. The truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Man, isn't that the world today? I can't tell you how many people, and it's very sad that I've watched them walk away from a life of God because of deception, because of lust, because of things that they hadn't had in that moment because they thought they needed it. 
And I always think about this. That doesn't mean being a Christian is perfect because remember the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times yet gets up. Because remember, you're not going to be perfect, but you can get back up. That's not acting as a Gentile, but that's acting as God's chosen. And this is what he keeps coming back to. And he says this, it says, verse 23, instead, let the spirit. Now we've got to stop right here because we have to understand what he's talking about. When you say this word, let the spirit. Now remember this, the Bible teaches us that God is a gentleman. He is a perfect gentleman. The Bible says that he does everything decently and in order. In fact, in, in Revelations, it says he stands at the door knocking. Now, gentlemen stand at the door knocking. They don't burst in the door. They don't knock the door down. They don't just come in barging into your life and saying, this is what you're going to do. But God, through love, changes the way that we see ourselves, the way that we speak about ourselves, and the way that we hear things. Because understand this, when I was in the world, I had a really hard time not cussing. That was one of my things that I struggled with. I had a bad mouth. I was one of the most negative people I'd ever been around. I would always, man, if I made a mistake, man, I'd rip myself up and down. I remember playing basketball and I'd go down and if I missed a shot, man, it was like the next three series. I'm just yelling at myself in my head. I'm just constantly yelling at myself, yelling at myself, yelling at myself. Because all I'm doing is just tearing myself down about one thing that happened in the past. Isn't that kind of how we do with life sometimes? That one thing that happened in the past, and what do we keep doing? We keep tearing ourselves down. Because we think, God doesn't love me. Why? Because of that. God doesn't love me because of that. Here we are, we're walking down life, but we're continually focused on that. But remember this, the past can still be God's. Just as the present and the future. Now you get to choose on which God you focus on. Because remember this, when I serve him, he takes all of it and he says, now follow me and I'll show you where to go. When I forget to focus on him, my past sometimes becomes my God. Well, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to do these things. So we stop moving. We become stagnant. We become consumed with us. Instead of simply coming to this, instead, let the spirit. Because remember this. You and I are the ones that make the mistakes. It's never God leading us into mistakes. God has never said, hey, Matt, come here real quick. I want you to walk off this edge and see what happens. I think it'll be funny. Some of you would say, yeah, it probably might be if I land flat, you know, flat on my face or something like that. We're going to see what happens. But God walks you to the ledge and says, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Come over here. Let's walk down the stairs. Let's do this together. Let's set you up for success in everything that you do. And you're like, but Lord, I don't think I need to go over there. I think I can go this way. I think I can do it. And he's like, no, don't go that way. And this is what it comes back down to. When we choose to let the spirit, it's a decision we have to choose to make. God, okay, God, I'm going to submit to you. So he goes on, he says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Well, that reminds me of Romans 12 too. This says, don't conform to this world any longer. But by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing, how do you renew your mind? It's the same question that they asked Jesus. They said, how can I be born again? How can I go into my mother's womb? Because they're thinking naturally and God is speaking supernaturally. Because remember this, when you keep doing the same things over and over and over again, I can tell you this, your mind still needs to be renewed. 
It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It means that you need to let the Spirit keep coming back in to renew our mind in the way that we're doing it. Because as we live as children, it didn't say that you'll never make another mistake. But it did say that you can walk around as a chosen child of God. Because remember this, my kids, no matter what they do, they will always be part of the Bolin family. No doubt. No matter what they do, they will always be a part of the Bolin family. Just like no matter what I do, I'll still be a part of God's family. If I keep my heart right and I say, God, I screwed up, God says, okay, let's come back and let me show you how to get out of this. Let me show you how to walk this out. So he goes on and he says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. See, that's a key part right there. That word attitudes. I started to think about this and I started to think about what it talks about with attitudes. And it came across this thought. It said one of the, the, the thought I had was one of the enemy's most effective strategies in our lives is to get you to face or to focus on the things that you don't have. To focus on those things that you used to have. And to focus on maybe what someone else has and think they just got it so much better. He does this to keep you from asking and praying simply to the Lord and saying, God, this is what I have. Now, what can we do? Now, about six or seven years ago, I was sitting in my office and pastor got a phone call. He was speaking with me and he got a call. And so he goes to take this call and it was a gentleman who used to attend church here years ago. He and his family moved to another town. And he felt like the Lord called him, this this man felt like the Lord called him to move to this town. But while he's in this town, he's struggling. He's having a hard time finding work. He's having a hard time building the things that he thinks he's supposed to build or doing what God, he felt like God asked him to do. And I remember these words and they've stuck with me for so long. I remember pastor was talking to him on the phone and he said, well, do you think this is what the Lord asked you to do? And he said, I thought so. But I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure. And he said, very simply, here's what you're going to have to do. He said, if you're not sure, you've got to tell God, God, I may have missed it. I may have jumped the gun and gone too early. I may have missed your calling. But Lord, here's where I am. I have nothing else to offer you, but this is where we're at right now. I can't go back to Lubbock and restart everything. But this is where we're at, so Lord please use me here. And he said, if you'll ask forgiveness and just say, God, use me where I'm at. Today, that man is very successful in the city that he made that same phone call years ago to ask, I think I missed it. God has supernaturally blessed him. And I don't believe that he missed his calling somewhere, but I do believe he readjusted his focus. Instead of looking for the money, instead of looking for the job, instead of looking for the people, He looked unto God. And I think that's where we miss it sometimes. Because remember, when you let the Spirit start to renew your mind, He renews your attitude. There's no better way to change a bad attitude or a bad situation than to simply allow the Lord to come in. Because God will change a negative attitude into a hopeful attitude in mere moments. When you let Him and say, Holy Spirit, renew me. Renew me in this moment. And then he says in verse 24, remember, these are steps. You choose 
to let. He comes in, he changes, renews your thoughts and attitudes. Then he says this, put on your new nature. Now remember, what did he tell you? Remember, don't act like Gentiles. What do Gentiles act like? They act like they're not chosen. But he says, put on the new nature. When you put on the new nature, now he's saying, put that on. When you put on the new nature, you're putting on, I'm chosen. I love those shirts. My wife has one that says chosen. Because remember, when you look in the mirror, you are chosen. You aren't just some lucky pick. You're the first pick. You're the best pick. You are the lottery pick. You were chosen before anybody else. Remember this. He said, I chose you well before you ever chose me. I knew you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. So whether they tell you that you were chosen or not, understand this. I, I chose you. No other person in this world has chosen you faster than I did. And this is what he's saying. When you put on that new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, this is what he's talking about. And as you read, and for time's sake, I'm going to skip down just a little bit, but I want you to understand this. Understand the thoughts that he's sharing right here. I have this quote, and I have this thing on, on a board in my office. And I read these quotes daily to help me to remember the energy that I put out, the thought process that I put out does affect who I am. And it says this, keep your thoughts positive because your thoughts become your words. And he says, keep your words positive because your words become your behaviors or your attitudes. Keep your behaviors positive because your behaviors become your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits become your values. And keep your values positive because your values become your destiny. Understand this. It doesn't just happen by chance. This is how you came out. But remember this. Keep your thoughts positive. How do you keep your thoughts positive? Well, you renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? It tells us right there. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It simply comes back to this. And skip down there for time's sake. We're going to go to verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Okay, I got to stop right here because this is, this is me. So, for me, one of the things we've got to understand, every one of us deal with frustrations, am I right? Everybody in here probably dealt with, probably today you dealt with a little bit of frustration, whether that's driving home, whether that's walking through the rain, whether that's dealing with children. Remember this. Frustrations are very simply unmet expectations. You expected something to happen that didn't happen, so therefore your reaction out of it was frustration. So frustration creates inside of all of us something. Some of us become very quiet. Some of us become angry. Some of us get very harsh. Some of us become ugly. Whatever it may be, these words, remember, bitter, they have rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Remember this, what, what, what did we just read? Remember, renew your, let the Holy Spirit come in to renew your mind and your attitude because that affects so much about who you are. So he's coming in here and he's saying this, and, and I have to tell you, my wife last night looked at me, my phone, I have a charger on my phone, and it's acting goofy. So if I move my phone, it'll stop charging. 
And then if I have it on vibrate, it just keeps going, eh, 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 like the whole time. Like it's trying to find it. It's on, it's out. It's on, it's out. It's on. You know, you know what I'm talking about when you unplug your phone and it beeps at you? Well, it's that same thing. But this thing like would constantly do it for 10 minutes. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I grab my phone. I go, this stupid thing. And she's like, whoa, quit being so harsh. And I'm like, yeah, but this phone is dumb and it needs a, and I started just, blah, and I'm like, holy cow. She just used the word harsh. In all reality, the Lord spoke to her, and she didn't even realize the Lord was speaking through her at that moment, because I had become very harsh. I become very harsh in a lot of things that I was doing, and the Lord all day today dealt with me on that. Because remember this, every one of us falls short in certain areas. It's not my heart to be harsh, but there was something that was creating inside of me to be very harsh to people I love, to the things that I have been blessed with, instead of slowing back down. And doing what he asks here. And it comes in verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Maybe you've been dealing with anger lately. Maybe you've been harsh like me. With the words you use. And you're like, well they deserve it. That's exactly right. They do. You're, exa- you're right. They do. Because that's how God would act, right? I think at times that's what we think God would act like. But we need to slow back down and walk through what he's saying. Now, here's the key. Because every one of us can get caught up with doing the wrong thing by simply letting your attitude tell you what's going to happen. I think there are times that we deal with that that, that we kind of go through this, this process in our lives. That we allow our attitude to tell us more about ourselves than ourselves tell us more about our attitude. And what I mean by that is you have a decision to make. There was a story of a guy who was running a marathon. And he said he used to do these ultra marathons. And I talked about it last time I spoke. But he would do this thing. And he said, they said, how did you do this? He, he set a world record by running six ultra marathons. And he would do these marathons and he said, how did your body do this? Because it shouldn't work this way. And he said, I stopped letting my body tell me how tired and sore and painful it was. And I started telling it, you can take another step. You can do it again. You can get back up. You can walk this out. Keep going. Because every step you take is one step closer to the calling God has for you in your life. Too many times we allow our emotions to scream louder than the voice of God that is inside of us. We have to slow back down and we have to walk this process out. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this and he's writing this and it's perfect and it helps us to understand it. It says this, imitate God. We could stop right there and we could slow down and say that's the answer. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going and he says this, imitate God therefore in everything you do. What does that mean? Well, what did God do? The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Well, that's the first thing, love the world. But not only did he love the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall have eternal life. What he's talking about is this, learn to love God's way. Learn to give God's way. He says, forgive those who trespass against you as I forgive you. What's he saying? Learn to forgive God's way. 
It's the choices that we choose to make right here. So he goes on and he says, imitate therefore, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Remember, you are no longer someone who has no family values. You're a child of the Most High. You are a child of God. When you look up to the heavens, you don't say, that's a God. You say, that's my Father. My Father God. And we choose that. And then he goes on in verse 2. It says, live a life filled with love. Well, when you imitate God, love starts to flow out of you. Joy, peace, kindness, self-control. They just come out of you because you're so centered on God that the presence of God continues to just come out. And he goes on to say this, following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. It comes down to this. To have a successful relationship with God, first you have to imitate God. The second thing is live a life full of love. Don't be so self-centered that we forget to love those around us. To love those. I, I, I've been so saddened by the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas. Never in their right minds did these people ever think something like this would happen. They thought, we're going to go out and have a great night tonight. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it changed so suddenly. And it breaks my heart to see the people that are never going to see their loved ones again. Love those around us. Because hate has never changed a person. But love is the answer to all things. Love always wins. The last and final thing is to have a successful relationship. The third point that he said right there. Follow the example of God. Follow the example of Christ. And I love this because there's really no way to come to the Father except through the Son. And there's no way to know the Son until you invite Him in. You know, I can say that I know certain people, but I don't know them like I know my wife. Because I've invited my wife into places that no one else will ever be able to go in my life. She knows more about me than just about anybody in this room him because he has full access to every part of my life even the deep dark secrets I want no one to know you know I heard this statement years ago God knows and I was like what do you mean yeah of course God knows he's like no God knows he said name any situation he said tell me anything that happened in your life and he said God knows and I said well my brother did this to me he goes you know what Jesus' family rejected him. I said, I didn't think about that. I said, but I've had friends that did this and this and this. And he said, yeah, Jesus went through the same thing. God knows. You know, there's no situation you've ever gone through that God hasn't been through before. You want to find out the best way to get through it? Go to the one who's already been through it and came out a champion. Because you are a champion also. If we'll follow the example of Christ, there's nothing that can hold us back. We win by love, by choosing God, and by choosing Him and knowing He chose us. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.